Hey everyone, I'm Sina Hagiha and welcome to First Serve. The path to live a fulfilled and abundant life is to learn, grow and serve and that is what this podcast is all about. We will have guests on the show who are utilising their skills to make a positive impact to our world. Together we can gain a lot of insights, expand our knowledge and apply our learnings to serve others to the best of our abilities. Our guest today has dedicated almost 10 years to studying, practicing and sharing natural healing. She has spent time in India practicing rebirthing breathwork and is trained in Hatha Yoga and Ayurvedic studies in the Himalayas. She is also a qualified therapeutic practitioner in integrative breathwork and has shared her practices worldwide, both in person and online. I have also had the pleasure of experiencing her practices. I'm so excited to have her on. Welcome to the show, Hannah Jade Brown. Thank you, Sina. <laughs> Thank you for having me. No, you're welcome. I'm really interested in breath work and breathing. And over the past couple of weeks, I've actually read this book, Breath, by James Nestor. And I was just fascinated by what you were saying around, you know, a lot of us haven't really been taught how to breathe. And yeah, it was just an eye opener on the benefits that it can bring to us. So I'm really fascinated to hear about your journey, your story and how it all started for you. Yeah, cool. Well, I actually haven't read James Nestor's book. I I know of James really well, but I haven't actually read his book. And um, but I've heard it's 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 incredible. And it's been offering lots and lots of people this awakening around the that that the breath is more than this physiological experience. He offers a lot of kind of history and he goes back towards um, the Himalaya peoples when they used to practice. Yeah. So I really I know well of his work. So I'm I'm yeah. even more inspired now to to go ahead and actually um, read read all of his research. But um yeah so I heard you sort of pick out one thing that inspired you from his writings and that was that he said that we haven't been taught to breathe yeah 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 I I think that's interesting that 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 idea has been swimming around in the health and well-being community for for a while now you know, lots of people saying, oh, you know, we, we were never taught to breathe. How could we not be taught to breathe? And, you know, I've, I've had some time to reflect on that. And we actually haven't been taught to do a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just breathing. Yeah. You know, there's, there's so many other essential things in life that we didn't get taught as children. Or in some way, we've been domesticated to such a point in our evolution of humanity that we've actually really lost touch of these innate wild automatic capacities within us and slowly slowly as we're starting to wake up and become more conscious we're starting to go oh hold on a minute that's my breath oh wait i i can breathe in a better way (laughs) oh wait it feels better to breathe in this way wow, when I breathe in this way, I get so much more energy or when I breathe in this way, I can really calm myself down. So yeah, it's a really interesting question, but it, yeah, we, we didn't get taught to do a lot of things, but I think it's amazing now as we, as we are awakening and we're, we're reconnecting to our 
wild roots or, or the, as the saying goes we're rewilding a part of learning to breathe again I believe is a part of that rewilding process yeah for sure can you tell me a little bit more about how you got into this field of work and how did it all start for you <laughs> yeah sure um well I I don't think I actually ever did anything else <laughs> to be honest my mum my mum was quite spiritual and there was always books and things growing up and I was always aware that there was a regenerative regenerative or a healing power and I guess I I always wanted to be a doctor or a nurse when I grew up but I wasn't really the the brightest um, in the class and I was also dyslexic so I was always encouraged to do more creative things growing up and I got to a point where I'd, I'd chosen to go into the music industry and I was in I was in, I was yeah in it living in it in the music industry and one day I sort of just woke up and was just like I don't want to do this anymore I I don't feel like this is contributing to any service for the earth for humanity and it was such an innate deep deep feeling that I felt completely hopeless just you know pushing my dream forward my dream of you know being a music manager or you know writing music and doing all of this it was just so such a personal dream and I, I, I it didn't feel it had any depth to it so um, I actually went back to college and I studied biomedicine nutrition and naturopathy and that was really where my um, career started and a lot of the healing as well that that um, I had to had to go through with in terms of um, that part of my childhood that I just shared with you that you know I was always sort of pushed to do more creative things um, so it kick-started a really deep healing journey for me and while I was in college and, and studying um, the body and, and natural medicine I then became aware of energetic medicine and things like that and started to explore the more the shamanic paths and, and roots and then came across mind-body medicine and things like that so it's been a windy path I wouldn't say it was like a, a, a direct this is how I got into it um, but but yeah it 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 it's always been there for me and I've always been aware of it and it's it's been a natural evolution to, to where I am today nice so you went and spent some time in India was that something that just randomly came about like I'm going to spend some time in the Himalayas or were you told by someone to do it what was that experience like and what really triggered you to make that move? Sure. Well, while I was studying biomedicine, I was also practicing yoga on the side. And I just became de deeply, deeply fascinated with the practices and the sutras and the mantras, just all aspects of yoga. And um, I felt ready to go spend some time learning meditation and living in ashrams so um i just I, I i took some time out and and i just i bought a ticket and i went <laughs> and um 
I found I found a yoga school. That's where I started, and um, and then from then on, I I I completed a two hundred hour course, and then I just walked up the road and found a local ashram, and it was perfect. And I just I ended up staying there for another seven weeks, and I learned. My teacher taught me sitta. I I was cooking with the local families there, serving and um, and continuing my yoga practice and meditation practice. Um, yeah, and and why did I, I guess I just felt called? There was a lot of yoga was becoming quite popular in the West at the time. This was in twenty fourteen. And it, it was growing in popularity. And I've always been a person that, that wants to discover the roots of, of, of everything, really. Um, I like to understand the root or the source. And um, so I guess that's why I felt inspired to go back to India and learn, learn from a particular tradition. And your organization is called Embody Breath. Can you explain how you came up with that name and what that actually means to you. Sure. So one of the first, before I went to India, I went, um, actually this was many, many years ago. Oh, this was when I was in Thailand. I, 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 I did a 10 day silent Vipassana meditation. I think I was about 21. So this was, over 10 years ago now and um so i'm just having to like remember <laughs> when all these things happened i was in thailand and um i happened to spend uh, 10 days at a vipassana retreat and, and from then i became really um connected to the tradition of vipassana and buddhism so i've always been really connected to those roots and the mysticism and the culture and the practices and the teachings and um so after a few years of practicing energy medicine, after I left India and I was living in Australia, um, I and I lost track of where I am. I, I got from Australia and then I came back to the UK and I started to think, okay, well, you know, I have this offering now. It's developed itself. It has its own life of its own. Um, I was being encouraged by people around me to, you know, create a website and you know, brand yourself and all of that. And it felt a little bit uncomfortable for me because it's like I said, I've come from that. I've come from a play from the music industry and it was something that I was actually really walking away from. Um, so I spent quite some time meditating on it and um, and the idea of embody. So Bodhi uh, in, in Pali, which um, is, is an ancient language and which most of the Buddhist transcripts are written. So Bodhi means awakening or enlightening. And um, I added M Bodhi because um, of the embodiment principles that I offer um, and that which I bring into my practice of breath work and energy healing and, and all of the other modalities that, that I use. And then, um, yeah, and then the breath. So it also really fascinated me as well that Bodhi is, sounds very much like body, 
And I, I really have noticed um, that l the language of Sanskrit and Latin is can sometimes be so similar that the vibration it points to the fact that the that it, it was once the same before the language languages once divided. So since practicing vipassana over that time, I've I've come to realize that the body or embodiment is 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 a vehicle to awakening. That's fascinating. So I've had a few experiences with yourself. I've attended a few of your breathwork sessions and I can't even describe it in words how it felt. It was like I was having an outer body experience. I had this tingling sensation all over my body like I was surrounded by this radiating energy and I guess people will experience it differently. Each person will have a slightly different experience but how would you best describe your practice because when I've looked into breath work it is quite overwhelming with all the different breathing practices right there's just so many out there how would you describe yours and what practice is it most similar to if you were to explain it what is it closely related to if you were to look into it further sure uh, it's a really good question, and actually, I I get that a lot from people who are looking to train in breathwork or learn breathwork. They go, "Wow, there's so much out there. I don't really understand what is the difference. Where do I start?" So I would I would say that um, I was trained with a rebirthing school. Um, I was trained in yoga, pranayama. Uh, transformational breath, biodynamic breath. I've practiced Wim Hof for many years as well. And I also have practiced holotropic breathwork as well. Mm. And what I offer is, I guess, an evolution of my own experience through those processes in a way that it, that can, that is accessible for other people to use as a vehicle or self-inquiry or moving through trauma um, into a sense of empowerment and embodiment. So what that means is what I experienced through that, that journey is that a lot of these breath works were taking me out of my body. So I was having these out-of-body experiences. And, you know, um, I was being hyper aroused my body was charged with energy and it felt incredible but slowly over a period of time I started to notice that I was losing my sense of um, ability to regulate or you know being in a, being a place of equanimity all of these values that I really um, have been practicing for so many years through my Vipassana um, sittings and, and my daily practices and I was losing that center so what I realized that a lot of these breathwork schools and philosophies were missing was this sense of embodiment this sense of um, you know that it, it's not out there it, it's actually coming back into the body it's that sense of rewilding it's that sense of embracing our feelings embracing our imperfections and our humanness and that um, there was a lot of kind of patriarchal 
um, ideology behind some of some of these um, breath modalities that you know you can get high on your own supply so at some point in the journey I felt that a lot of uh, my trauma was being re-triggered because I was being um, because the practices were so intensive on the nervous system and there was nobody to talk about integration with there was nobody to facilitate um, a space where you know you didn't have to go into your trauma vortex to access the power and the healing of the breath it was just all about how high can you get so yeah over time what evolved was this idea that it was necessary to bring this embodiment philosophy and values and ideas into the field of breath work to facilitate um, transforming trauma in a gentle way or in a way that the body and the nervous system is actually able to regulate right here right now you know not that we have to take 10 days off after to go and integrate and you know the body is able to actually receive and integrate what is happening complete cycles of fight or flight that are that have been trapped in the system um so yeah that's that's what came from that but your question was <laughs> your question what was your question um, yeah. My question was, how did your style differ differ from you know, okay. what's out there? What, so, what's unique about what you um, practice? What I practice, okay. So in terms of the, the breath practices, I incorporate all of them, but what, mm -hmm. what makes it different is the philosophy and the intention and the space that I hold and the, um, and the awareness around um, regulating. Yeah, because I've tried a few things. I've tried Wim Hof breathing, holotropic breathing, and also I guess it depends on what you're trying to achieve, right, with all of the different breathwork techniques because I know the Wim Hof method is more about increasing arousal and getting yourself pumped. If you want to de-stress, you would actually increase your exhales, maybe do box breathing and stuff like that. Can you touch upon the different breathing techniques and what they are? really useful what's the main goal for each type of breathing technique okay well there there is a lot out there but um i think where um i i prefer not to go down this pathway because it, in some way it it becomes less holistic and because i come from a holistic background I, I, I try not to, to, to see this breath work um, is good for this or this breath work is good for this because then again we're taking that same ideology of um, that pill for an ill ideology which is the very foundation of our allopathic medical system and as we see what that you know what that does is it it it, it separates um, systems that are actually very very interconnected um, so coming from a holistic background, I would say that, yes, you're right, practices like the Wim Hof method are fantastic for 
um, creating excitation in the nervous system, arousal, getting you pumped, um, and, and increase your adrenaline and cortisol so that you can do the, um, the cold water immersions and things like that. So it's, it's, it, it has a really great purpose for that. Also, you know, somebody as well who, who, who can, who actually has no trauma in, well, we all have, you know, some level of trauma in our system, but, you know, somebody who is healthy, um, it's okay to go ahead and practice Wim Hof in the morning, you know, and instead of taking that coffee or, you know, making it as a part of your morning practice to help you get going, um, you know, you can, you can use that practice for that. Or even practices like Kapalabhati, things that just charge the system, um, arouse the system with energy, um, are really natural pro methods to, to, to do that. And in, and then on the other side of the, of the spectrum, what, what can you do to calm down your system? Well, you could mindful awareness of breathing, I think is the most calmest, calming breath practice you can do. There's lots of um, research out there that extending on the exhale um, really helps to down-regulate the nervous system or humming um, stimulates the, the vagus nerve. So you can hum with the breath, which is a humming bee breath. So there's lots of lovely research out there, but I think actually sometimes it's really just the simplest things. It's the intention behind what you're doing. So for example, um, if you were looking at, if you were in a place of stress and anxiety and you needed to calm down straight away, I wouldn't say to someone, I'm going to prescribe you with this box breath breathing because they're just going to try and get it right. Right, breathing in for one, two, three, four. Right, hold for two, three, four. <laughs> I mean, I've actually done that in the past and I've seen that as a result. You know, people then try really hard. Am I doing this right? Um, what I would just share is a simple gentle breath awareness technique and it would start with also self-orienting orienting yourself around your space you know have a look around your space come back to the body what do you feel in your body okay now let's channel the breath into the lower belly so there's some receptor sites in the lower belly so when we breathe down into the lower lobes of the lungs, these receptor sites are where um, it sends the, the, the feedback to the brain um, to, to kick in the relaxation. Whereas we've got receptor sites up here in the chest that will do the opposite. So if we're upper chest breathers, um, that's the, the, the feedback going back to the brain is that um, we need to kick in the stress response. So just breathing down very naturally, deep into the belly, orienting yourself around your space, relaxing on the exhale is a very natural elongation of the exhalation anyway. We don't need to go, you know, count up to 10 seconds. Just that relaxing is enough. But, but that's the way I do it. You know, it's very subtle. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because when we were kids and what we've been taught about calming someone down was to take quick deep breaths, breathe quickly to calm them down. And that's actually the wrong thing to do when someone's panicking or in a state of shock. It's not about breathing as quickly as possible or taking 
deep breaths as quickly as possible. It's about slowing down your breath and slowing your exhales. But I think we've been taught that the more you breathe, the calmer you get, but that actually makes it worse because you're increasing those oxygen levels and arousal levels, which which isn't good for de-stressing. And even the mentality behind it is, I have to do something to eradicate this. When really, actually, all that is required is just to stop, let go, and just allow the breath to just find its natural flow, its natural pattern, and it might take 20 minutes, it might take two minutes, you know, but just closing down your eyes, coming back into contact with your body, sensing your breath flowing in and out of the body is sometimes just enough to to bring the body back into a place of parasympathetic. So I've heard some incredible things. I've read some incredible things with regards to some of the things breathwork can do. So I read about Swami Rama, you know, who can change the temperature on his thumb, like make it a different temperature to his other fingers or control the temperature on different parts of his body. And he can even slow down his heart rate. He even brought it down to zero for a long time. So I'm curious to know more about the sort of impacts your techniques have on people. If you could share any of those experiences without obviously naming any names or anything, but what sort of things have you been able to do? Have you managed to, let's say, heal people? What are the success stories or experiences that you can share with us? Okay. So um, I, I guess you're speaking directly to um, the kind of the cities that we get when, when, when we practice breath work, we can develop, um, or when we practice yoga, and breathwork being a part of the yoga, we develop these these cities in or and and I guess that can be translated to as I guess superpowers in some way. These superpowers that are um, I guess where our prefrontal lobe cortex is able to override parts of the limbic system, and um, and and we see them as you know superhuman in some way. And we've seen people like Wim Hof doing that as well. I don't necessarily facilitate that in in my sessions. Um, it's welcome. There's so much space for it. I've had direct experience with my own city capacities, which have been a blessing, but it's not something I'm focused on. It's not something I'm driving towards. And I would say this is probably the feminine part of me the, the 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 difference between the masculine and the feminine here you know i'm my practice is very feminine and it's it's more focused on um oh, i mean some success stories that let, start with some success stories i guess i work with many different types of people i don't market or advertise or call in a certain type of person. I just sort of put it out there. And sometimes it's very interesting to see who, who, does, who does get in contact. I've worked with people who've had, who've had cancer. I've worked with people, pregnancy. I've worked with pregnant women. I've worked with people who are um, top CEOs of, 
big companies in the UK and in America. I've worked with mums. I've worked with dads. I've worked with children. I've worked with um, yogis. So I work with a lot of different kinds of people and they all come with their, their different stories. But generally what what I, what I would say is success, <laughs> it, again, is, is probably something that we would probably need another podcast to discuss. But um, I would say what's beautiful that I've witnessed, what's been really, really beautiful, is just seeing people go through a journey from first being, that well, first starting these sessions deep, deep in a sense of their stress physiology and in their trauma and, and in something which we call in Buddhism a trance state where, you know, you're, you, you, you see that this is it, you know, this physical reality is it and the drama is real in the outside world. And then sort of going through a process of just shedding all of that um, story shedding all of the belief systems that may have kept them um, limited in some way or unwell or living a life that that they truly in their heart don't want to be living or um, you know etc and seeing them actually start to transform and drop a lot of that weight and seeing a lot of the actual inflammation leave the body as the weight drops the energetic weight of the limiting beliefs drop off of the body um, and physical health issues resolving themselves because of that weight being lifted and then from that process seeing this heart opening you know seeing the heart opening is such a profound success you know, in such a mental driven world that we live in, it's, you know, to see someone actually feel safe within their stress physiology to allow their heart to open and blossom in this world is a profound thing to experience and witness. And so, and then going from an opening their heart and actually stepping into their empowerment and going, this is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to serve now. I would say that, that that's been the, the beautiful things that I've witnessed through the many different types of people that, that um, I've been privileged to serve. Yeah, so it's really allowing people to get closer to their true selves and let go of all of that conditioning that has been put upon them as they've been growing up, really, and getting rid of all those limiting beliefs. But does that happen instantly or is it a journey over a long period of time? Do you know people and even with your own experiences, have you just witnessed that straight away where you let go of everything or is it a process that you have to continue revisiting? Hmm. So the thing we all really want to hear is that you know we we go to <laughs> we go to a healing session and then we walk out healed and then we get on with our lives and <laughs> and you know everything is magical again and that's that that's but that that's really not the the reality of it i think healing is a life's process and there's many different layers and 
um, it healing not doesn't necessarily mean that we are there's something wrong with us or we're incomplete but it just means that it's a, it's a chosen path to to want to evolve past these limiting beliefs and behaviors and patterns and and want to to um, align with um, a, a deeper truth in some way um, so no I think once you start on the healing path it's it's for life once you awaken to it, it it's for life and it's unfolding and it's about riding the waves sometimes it can be challenging sometimes it can be oh, okay I've got this I get this now and slowly slowly you start to pick up tools and resources that then become strong allies for you on the path of healing and um, yeah in terms of my own experience I would say I became quite I, I was aware of my own healing process at, at a young age which was quite difficult because there I wasn't surrounded by community or I wasn't surrounded by um, resources and things like that like I said there was a few books and things like that which which gave me ideas but I wouldn't say they were strong resources so I I was aware of this healing path and the slow progression of the transformation as you continue on it but I did also have a very quick awakening uh, a second awakening which which happened during a shamanic process and um, and also a process with a ceremony in the Ganges in in India that's interesting I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Andrew Huberman. I've been listening to a lot of his stuff recently. He's a neuroscientist at Stanford University, and he's been looking into how to regulate our states because we tend to make bad decisions and become erratic when we're angry and when we're stressed out. So he's looking at how we can use our breath just to switch off and calm down and be more relaxed. So just being able to do that quickly so when you're having a conversation with someone and they're pissing you off just to say to yourself i'm going to just take a breath i'm going to just breathe slowly before i react because i think a lot of bad things that happen in society are due to someone not being able to regulate themselves they've reacted they've been irrational so so having that awareness as well knowing that you do have the capability to self-regulate, I think is really important. It's so important and it's a huge part of our evolution, I feel, as a species. You know, we've been, um, if you look at the three parts of the brain, so you've got the prefrontal cortex in the mid part of the brain, you've got the limbic system, and then under heath, underneath here, you've got the reptilian brain. And our nervous system has also evolved um, alongside the way that our brain has evolved as a species and we still have a lot of these primitive systems in the system um, in, in, in our bodies such as the reptilian and the limbic system which it's so a limbic system is mammalian um, so it is it's very reactive it's programmed to keep us alive it's programmed to 
get us out of here if there's a, a threat. It's programmed to fight if there's a threat. Um, and, you know, and in, in, in these cases, as you were saying, you know, if you're, if you're having a conversation with someone and someone triggers you, and you feel that stress response, what you can do is you can actually override that system by being mindful, by saying to yourself, actually, I'm not gonna react. And that's coming from the prefrontal lobe and that's sending um, a signal back into the limbic and it's saying, okay, let's just take a breath here. So it might not be so much about the breath, but it's the intention that I'm gonna take a breath. Because your breath is the only thing that you can control. Your breath is a remote control. Yeah? So it's the intention and it's strengthening your capacity to be more responsible rather than reactive. And that comes through practice, mindful practice. And you can use the breath as a as a vehicle towards helping you anchor into the present moment outside of your reactivity, outside of your stress physiology and back into your parasympathetic, your relaxed and calm states where we can think more clearly because our brain isn't flooded with I've got to get out of here or I've got to fight. Um, and the other side of that is attend and befriend. You know, if we're not in fight or flight, then we're befriending someone, we're attending to something. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And just touching on the practices, what are your practices? What do your routines look like? Do you have a morning routine? Do you have a do you have an evening routine? Can you share any of that with us? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've had the same morning routine for gosh, for years now. And this, so I always wake up and I practice Vipassana, silent Vipassana. It's the first thing that I do. Even when I was practicing um, conscious connected breath works practices, it was, I always had to wake up and do my silent practice. So I practice for about 45 minutes, sometimes to an hour. And um, I'm focusing, I'm, 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 doing uh, just gentle nose breathing, just focusing on the breath coming in and out of the nose, sensing it at the top of my lip. And then I'll do that um, for about 10 minutes and then I'll, I'll practice Vipassana, which is just observing the sensations on my body as they rise and they fall, while also being connected to just watching my breath rise and fall. And I feel that that practice is just timeless and it always just really brings me into a place of focus and calm, um, ready for my day. And then I'll practice yoga or I'll go for a run. Um, or on some days when, um, this is another sort of feminine concept, when I'm at the end of my cycle, so to speak, it's a bit difficult to, you know, to, to, to do exercise every day so I practice something called continuum by Emily Conrad so it's just a gentle sort of opening of myofascial unwinding and it's just a very intuitive process of just allowing the body to just gently unravel and in that process I'll connect to my breath and just go as slowly as possible and um 
Yeah, and I say a prayer. I say a prayer um, <laughs> for all beings. I, I offer my practice to all beings and I pray that all beings will be happy and free. And in the evening, I sort of lost my evening practice when I moved in with my boyfriend, to be honest. <laughs> I'll be quite honest with you. My evening practice is him. <laughs> um, but we always, whenever we, we go to bed, we always um, find three things to be grateful for before we go to bed. And, um, and that, that's generally my evening practice. Yeah. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect with you? And what are the services that you offer? So you can go to my website if you like, which is www.embodybreath.life and maybe you can put the spelling in the notes or something. Yeah. And um, everything you need to know is, is on the website. I'm now offering mentoring for people who are looking to, for, well, for wellness, certified wellness practitioners already who are looking to expand their practice with conscious breath so i meant i've been mentoring people for a couple of years now uh just so i'm offering that and i'm also starting another embodied breathwork six-week course on march the 3rd to the 7th of april every wednesday six o'clock and you can sign up on my website as well and of course i'm offering online now one-to-one -one sessions which um uh which, which are sort of tailored towards towards you and, and your goals and your process that's amazing i'll leave all the information in the show notes so people can get in touch with you and you've worked with some big companies like spotify and selfridges what is their ask from you what are they looking for by bringing yourself in to engage with their employees <laughs> A good question um it seems like the general theme is to help the employees feel less stressed and i think that the you know since there's been a lot of awareness around that stress can decrease performance in the workspace a lot of companies are wanting to see see the value in investing in wellness for their employees so yeah working with these companies there's always quite a big focus on how to help them resolve stress of um, teach them to um, teach them different tools and techniques that they can go away and practice in their own time and um, but then on the other hand some other companies i've worked with have been really focused on how can they um, inspire more creativity and teamwork and focus and innovative practice and i've been using breath work as a way of facilitating those workshops as well all right cool and just to close this podcast episode i want to end it with a question how can we better serve ourselves and serve others? What can we do today to better serve ourselves and others? 
I think what's important is in this sort of age of information and abundance of spiritual ideas and practices, you know, there's just so much out there. We can get incredibly lost and be slightly misdirected in what the original teachings were trying to translate and offer. So I would say simplicity would serve you and it would serve everybody in your community. So just coming back to simplicity and simple things of, you know, setting a timer on your phone a couple of times during your day and every time you get a notification, just stop and take three to five minutes. Close your eyes, feel your body, feel your breath, come back. And, you know, your practice doesn't have to be in just in the morning and just in the evening. Your practice is your whole day. And just, yeah, keeping it simple and remember that you doing your practice is in service to others. And that's why, you know, we, we may, may all beings be happy and free. You always give that blessing. You always give your practice up to others. And so you'll be rewarded through others' practice as well. Yeah, definitely. I think if you get rid of all the stress and you're in that zone, you can show up as your best self every day. And if everyone does that, I think the world would be a much better place. Yeah, I agree. Hannah Jade, thanks a lot for this episode. I appreciate it. And I love the work that you're doing. Thank you. It's really kind. I hope this episode gave you an insight into the power of breathing and how taking the time each day for breathwork exercises can improve your state of mind and well-being. We haven't been taught how to breathe properly from a young age and it is essential for focus, relaxation and learning. I'm going to read a passage from Jay Shetty's book, Think Like a Monk, that demonstrates this really nicely. I vividly remember my first day of monk school. I had just shaved my head but I wasn't wearing robes yet, and I still looked like I was from London. I noticed a child monk, he can't have even been more than 10 years old, teaching a group of 5 year olds. He had a great aura about him, the poise and confidence of an adult. What are you doing? I asked. We just taught their first class ever, he said, and then asked me, what did you learn in your first day of school? I started to learn the alphabet and numbers. What did they learn? The first thing that we teach them is how to breathe. Why? I asked. Because the only thing that stays with you from the moment you're born until the moment you die is your breath. All your friends, your family, the country you live in, all of that can change. The only thing that stays with you is your breath. This 10-year-old monk added, When you get stressed, what changes? Your breath. When you get angry, what changes? Your breath. We experience every emotion with a change of the breath. When you learn to navigate and manage your breath, you can navigate any situation in life. As this episode was recorded earlier in the year, 
The breathwork sessions that Hannah Jade mentioned have come to an end. But check out her website for upcoming sessions. I will leave all the info in the show notes and I highly recommend exploring this area. I'm also going to leave you links to other resources in the show notes. James Nestor's website has a good overview on all the different breathing techniques. So go check them out. If you want to gain alertness, focus on longer inhales than exhales. If you want calmness, focus on longer exhales than inhales. And remember to just breathe. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe so you can get a notification when a new episode is released. Also share it with your friends and family or whoever you think would be interested in this episode. I would really appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to reach out to myself, you can find me on Instagram. I'll leave the info in the show notes and I'll see you all in the next episode.